catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Everyone is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Clubhouse, and any other place where they can consume and create content. These people who spend their time, effort, resources, and creativity to create all of these content that keep you on these platforms are now known as content creators. Have you ever considered how they get paid? Maybe if they have a full-time job and maybe they just do this as a form of leisure for fun, yeah, right? Is that what it's really about? Do you know how these people have created a new economic trend known as the creator economy? Have you ever heard of the word creator economy? How does this new economy get funds? Who are the people in this new economy? Are you a creator? Are you wondering why you haven't started earning from all the content that you've created on almost all the popular content creating platforms? With more than 50 million independents having identified themselves as content creators, as curators and community builders fueling this new trend, this generation of micro-entrepreneurs, as they referred to, is currently valued at $20 billion globally, with estimations that it could even grow to about $104 billion in 2022. Now, what exactly is this creator economy all about? Let's hear from the CEO and founder of Seller, Douglas Kenderson, and the CEO of Crowd Africa Technology Limited, Adebayo Kayode. Seller enables creators in Africa to sell their digital products and services to both the local and international market. And Crowd is a video monetization company with the aim of turning around creative industry practitioners into proper enterprises. Douglas, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, Anthony. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm well. I'm excited about this conversation. I hope you are too. I am. I am. Beautiful. Thanks. And Adebayo, how are you doing? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited um, Yeah, to be on this platform to talk around um, the topic that we have um, in focus. Thank you. Yeah, let's start with you, Adebayo. Now, the creator economy, for someone who doesn't understand what it means, haven't heard this term before, been anywhere, how would you describe what the creator economy is about? Well, just like you said, the creator economy is a bit of an informal economy around putting content ideas together to make it more realistic. Um, the idea basically is um, most of the things we think in our heads, in our minds, some people have the effortless opportunity of being able to bring them into something that is actionable, something that is tangible, that you can see on your screens, whether it is either audio or video, or even graphics, or even just designs, basically. So these people are more like the creative bunch of us, because I don't think everybody has, you know, it's not everybody that has the creative. Some people are more logical, they are not exactly creative type but these guys that we are talking about are the people that one way or the other put color to the world that we live in they are the one that curate culture in the way we consume it and to a very large extent they determine how we approach life you know you see some people wear some kind of clothes it's influenced by somebody maybe they saw online some people kind of talk in one particular way is determined by maybe somebody that they saw maybe on the tv series and all that so um, creators are not necessarily actors, but actors are creators also. So um, 
Yeah, so that's what I think the creative economy. So these people all brought together now have now formed into a movement where platforms are available that communicate different things to us on a daily basis. These are the people that kind of put their creativities on those platforms in order to for us to be able to you know, communicate and get communicated to on a daily basis. I hope I was able to put some perspective to it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good way to start. Now, Kenderson, which people can we give the tag creator or which people can we say belong to this economy? Yes. So, I mean, I definitely agree with everything Bayer has said. I think a lot of the creator economy today is really just fostered around people creating content and monetizing it. With their so basically monetizing their like knowledge, skill, expertise, or just talents in that way. And I mean, for us at Seller, like we deal with a lot of creators that are, I guess, teaching people how to do things. So we deal with a lot of, I guess, skilled or even just fairly skilled creators. So you have authors, even people like first-time authors too. We have a lot of like trainers. We have professionals teaching people how to do things. You have designers, you have software engineers, you have like sales and marketing experts. And I mean, that's our own sector of like the creator economy. It's still very wide. And then you have all the like writers, you have the producers, you have the video editors, all of those things come together to make all of the participants of like the creator economy today. Would we group those who consume this content as being a part of this economy? I mean, technically, the economy cannot exist if someone isn't paying for the content or if people are not consuming the content. So they are definitely a part of it in that way that they have to consume for creators to keep creating or for creators to earn from this. So yeah, it's a two-way strip. Hmm. Now, Adebayo, you manage a video monetization company called Crowd. And if someone from a business perspective, you know, the person is sitting and listening to this and the person is like, okay, so how big is this economy that we're talking about? Is this something that just started? Can we, you know, put some numbers on this economy to say this is a tag, especially on the African scene, maybe Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa? How big exactly is this creator economy in Africa? Well, on a global perspective, the market size is valued at 100 billion right now. That's on a global scale. Then um, considering Africa, Africa has not exactly been very active in that space. Not out of the fact that we don't have the skill level or we don't have the creativity level to participate. It's just that most of the time, over years, Africa has not exactly owned technologies or owned platforms that are purely dedicated to Africans and, you know, so Africa has more of been, they are more of, uh, a, you know, participating for them has been more secondary. Because when you look at the platforms that already exist, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, um, you know, the, the Twitters, the OnlyFans and all those other platforms, you find out that Africa comes in on those platforms on a secondary level. Those platforms were developed from the ground up with their algorithms and all that formed to be able to cater for you know, people in the more developed economies, Europeans, Americans, North Americans, and all. So um, it's hard to put a number to what Africa is doing right now, especially in that space and the size of what Africa has in that market. But the good thing about it is that the creator's economy is a global market. So because it's a global market and these platforms that people participate on are all global now, we can just plug in Africa 
into that 100 billion valuation size also. Not that we are saying everybody is 100 billion, but to a large extent, Africa will have a good percentage, you know, a basic okay percentage. Even if it's a 10% uh, valuation, that will probably be around 10 billion for now. But the good thing about this is that Africa is growing very fast, especially in that space. And eventually, you probably have a, a continent that by the time we fully go and leverage the you know, matters around new technology, bigger and better access to the internet, you know, catching up easily and leapfrogging into you know, sizable capacities in that space in the next few five to ten years will be, you know, will be quite, um, will be very fast. But on a global level now, we have a $100 billion valuation to the creators' um, economy. Okay, um, Kenderson, what do you think about the figures and the numbers? Um, do you think Africa is doing a much more larger chunk of um, uh, than what Bayer has um, mentioned, maybe putting at a 10 billion uh, as the world is doing 100 billion? Or do you think we're doing far less than that? So the thing about the creator economy and the numbers is, and I think there's also a function of this, which is like because the, sorry, I'm trying to look for the best way to describe this. You, the, the question you, had, you asked earlier, who's part of the creator economy? So because it's a very wide industry in that way where, and there's so many like different like facets of it, there's almost no very perfect like data to really like capture this market in that way. I think one of the numbers that came out last year or so was maybe Stripe saying 10 billion and they were like, and even the number they gave, it was not even like that's the value of the market, but it was very much like, oh, this is the size of the market based on all the different aggregators that we have on our platform. I think in terms of the potential of the market, the market is really big. I think what we definitely have a lot of like, there's a lot of work that needs to be got, done in terms of like Africans monetizing their knowledge. I think at Seller, we see a lot of like, we see like really great potential. I think we, last year, we recorded over paying over like a billionaire to like creators. And I, I mean, we are like a very small chunk because how many creators do we have? Maybe like 25K. And I mean, there are definitely millions and millions of creators over. I, I think definitely the the market value of getting to like over 10 billion is definitely very realistic and something that would be fun to see. Uh-huh. Now, Bio, you mentioned some areas that need innovation, some areas that would need to work on to make sure that we continue to take larger chunks of, you know, the global market share. Now, what challenge have you know, stopped African creators from fully milking and leveraging on this economy, this trend that is growing? Well, for me, I think the number one thing is the technology. But at the end of the day, I think we already, over the years, have been able to generate and curate content that are uniquely and peculiarly um, interesting to Africans. And when we say Africans now, we, are not even mean, we, are, we don't even mean people that are Africans living on the African continent alone. We are talking about people of African descent that are spread all over the world. So we talk diasporans. For me, I always try to make sure that when I'm mentioning diasporans in anything, I'll try to make people understand that in that my my in that my um, my pronunciation or in that my identifying diasporans, I'm talking about Brazilians. I'm still talking about Antiguans. I'm still talking about Dominicans. Talking about Jamaicans. Talking about people that are really of brown skin. People that we know originated from Africa, but that are spread all over the world. You know, we have been successfully able to, over the years, curate and create content that are appealing to those people because it's a very peculiar time right now because these guys are looking to know themselves better. 
They are trying to understand their heritage. They are trying to understand how people like them behave from where they come from originally, what is interesting to them. They want to know about, you know, the food, the culinary experience. They want to know about how beautiful the geographical location called Africa is and all that. So somehow there is a demand for what we have. Good enough also, there's supply. Because forget the quality, forget the Hollywood situation. I think Nollywood, for example, have come into a place where what we disdain from Nollywood as quality has now become a kind of like a branding. Because I remember Dave Chappelle, you know, the American um, um, comedian, was talking recently about wanting to participate in Nollywood and all that. He wasn't even talking about Hollywood and that whole thing that we here always talk about as far quality of the video. He said he just wants to participate in something that is low budget, but has the content value that will be interesting to a global um, African audience, basically. So I think when there's demand and there's supply, the only thing is just the vehicle that connects the supply to the demand. Because we can't travel as easily as other countries or other um, races are able to because of our visa issues. They probably don't want to come here because of that whole situation around the information they have about the continent, you know, the small fear. So I think technology is what can connect the demand to the supply. So if we had more technology, basically, that connects the demand of this content, whatever way, to the supply, and of course, there's a bit of exchange of value in maybe payments and all that, I think we'll start to have a lot more um, value in the sense of captured value and captured data that we can eventually use to size what we have. And you can understand somehow there is a global attention now on the content that comes from the African continent. So you can imagine what that would have done if we owned our own technologies or owned our own payment infrastructures that could probably help and facilitate those things. So I think that's where the, the divide is. And I'm hoping that a lot more people will come into that space in order to be able to you know, kind of let the value of what the appreciation of our content be enjoyed by our people first and the chunk of it be enjoyed by our people and not that it escapes again into the hands of Europeans or you know, westernized technologies. Mm, that, that's very interesting. And I'm also thinking the purchasing power of the people who are supposed to consume this content, does he have anything to do with the challenge that is being faced by the community? In response, I want you to also talk about, share with us some of the challenges that the platform owners and um, the builders of uh, these platforms face. Is that me? Should I? Am I yeah, yeah that would be you um, and Bio. That directed to me, okay. Ah, um, okay, so for me, um, demand and supply, it's very unique in how it behaves. Because remember that there was a time when, you know, the CEO of Zenit Bank, which is um, Jimovia, refused to invest when MTN came into, into Nigeria then because he said that he never was able to picture the fact that Africans will hold mobile phones in their hands. Nigerians were old mobile phones in their hands, paid those steep amount of money for um, SIM cards and eventually continued to subscribe and recharge it forever. But he eventually said after a few years down the line that it was the biggest mistake that he had ever made in his business life, that he didn't come in at that time where you know, the stakes and the bar were still low and for him to be able to enjoy an upline. So for me, there are people always talk about the spending power and all those of Africa. But let's not forget that Africa has most of the time, when you look at the developing economies of the world, I think I think Africa has like six to seven of those fast developing economies in the world. Yeah, sure. Uh, 500 million people hit the internet 
during the COVID lockdown, meaning that people just had a need to want to communicate. They had the need to want to continue to do business. They had the need to want to consume entertainment. So where did they get their money from? You know, so for me, I think what really is the issue with Africa, it's not the fact that Africa doesn't have enough revenue or enough earning power to spend for, you know, towards enjoying themselves and enjoying content. But I think what Africa needs is not a Western model of paying for content. They need an African model of paying for content and consuming content. And that's what we, the entrepreneurs here, need to kind of like figure out. The moment we're able to figure out how Africa behaves around their spending pattern and how they want to consume content, then I think that's where the, we will have cracked the egg. Not just assuming that somehow they enjoy, they will enjoy that whole copy and paste situation from the West, you know, to Africa. So I think that's what we as Africans, as creators or entrepreneurs, basically, we need to figure out. I believe that at the moment, everybody that has figured it out one way or the other in their business model, have smiled to the bank consistently for many years. We saw, we see, we see Indomie, we see um, Cowbell, we see all those people, how they are doing very well, even in economies that eventually chase people out. So I think it's more of like adapting, you know, finding a way to adapt to Africa's unique psychographic approach towards spending, basically. Now, could you share some of the challenges uh, you faced while building a platform that helps the creators themselves to put out their content and to earn from the contents they put out? Well, number one, the reality of it is that we had infrastructure challenges at the beginning when we wanted to start this. Between you and I, and I'm sure uh, my guy from Seller too can tell you that we don't have the local infrastructure to be able to drive the kind of businesses that we drive. So most of the time you find out that from an infrastructure point of view, you have to leverage um, Western infrastructure, meaning that you have capital flights to those economies. It's not serving you in your own economy. And when you are doing international payments for things that have to do with maybe infrastructure or talents, you now have the dwindling dollars. You have the dwindling foreign exchange situation around there. And um, yeah, for us, I don't think funding has ever been the biggest problem that we have. But the biggest issues that we have is probably around, yeah, infrastructure payments. You know, the technology itself, that, that central technology that every other thing can be built and plugged into has been where the biggest challenge is because it's non-existent in Africa. Because eventually, if you don't have a lot of money problems, you most likely will have spending problems. Things that you probably will have been able to save money on, you are not saving money on those things. You are putting money out to be able to make sure those things work for you. Then, of course, there's the aspect of, um, how do I call it now, aspect of talents also. Um, the good thing about it was that um, we, from a talent perspective, we were able to be very, um, how do I call it, compliant with how the new way of work. For example, 50 to 60% of our staff, they work remotely. You know, so I don't have to see, we don't have to see people in the office. Then we decided to be able to be frugal with how we spend money on um, things like, um, how do I call it now, office facilities. We intended from the beginning to make it light. We didn't want that whole startup rock star situation where you have a high rise and you have the whole floor of the 400 foot office to the yourself everybody's coming in macbooks and wearing one fly t-shirt and sneakers we didn't want that from the beginning we wanted a situation where we're frugal with our our spending up to a level where we start to generate revenue and then of course uh, start to make sure that we build scale 
and skill to a level where we, 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 you know, yeah, I don't like, for example, that a lot of people start to, um, they, they shout about how much they raised and make a lot of noise. Uh, we raised 40 million. People forget the fact that those, those monies are not, they are not earnings. They are like debts. So, yeah, so sorry if I took too long for this question. Sorry. So that's the idea, basically. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. Douglas, do you um, share the thoughts of um, Adebayo concerning the challenges that both the content creators and those who are building the platforms face or have been facing over time? And do you also think, you know, that cryptocurrencies or maybe blockchain-related payment solutions can bring respite to this challenge, looking at the peculiar situation that we're in on the continent? So about the question of challenges, I think when we're building Seller, a lot of the, I think one big challenge we had is probably just convincing more people that, oh, we're a reputable platform you can definitely put your content on. Because at the end of the day, most people have places where, I mean, the good thing is for us, a lot of people do not have that many alternatives, but then even the ones that are set up, they need to like pot their content to us. And it's, it's really hard convincing a lot of people. And I think for us, the more we grew, that definitely like played a role and that helped. With cryptocurrencies, I think that's definitely something that we've really been thinking about just because it gives so much flexibility in who can pay and how they pay and when they can pay and the lesser fees in like that way. Um, it's very unfortunate that the cryptocurrency, like the cryptocurrency space in Nigeria is very like murky at this time because of like regulations and it makes it hard for people to try and play, play in it. Although I think we were speaking to laser pay recently and hopefully we might have some stuff like USDT. I think it could definitely help just in ease in which people pay moving forward. And I think, and I mean, yeah, I think that's really why I stand with us. Okay. And we've talked about some challenges here. Are these the only areas that need some form of innovation and for people to step in to solve these um, challenges and these problems we see, Douglas? So I was on a panel on Africa Next and they had asked me like, oh, what are, the, one, of, what are one of the biggest problems that we face in like our own space? So I kind of dabble in the like e-commerce space because that's kind of almost what we are because we provide a platform for people to sell their products online and both locally, internationally. And I think one big problem that still exists not just for us, but just with many other like African businesses, not just African even international businesses is fraud. Um, I think while there's so many credible, really great creators working hard, creating products and content to sell, there's still just so many people infiltrating the space with also fraudulent like products. I think at Seller, we try to deal with fraud with a very hard hand, but I think it'd be great where we get to a point where, because I mean, if you think of something as very little as like international payments, I've worked in like payment companies before and it's so hard making international payments work in Nigeria, not because they don't have all the connections and channels, but just because fraud is a thing that just keeps messing the numbers up and messing the, the chances for the good people. So I think hopefully over the years, I think if we have good fraud innovation where there's really a distributed ledger, maybe that's even where blockchain can come in, where there's a distributed ledger for fraudulent people that is just really shared across the board and people can have that and it's constantly updated by multiple providers and maybe checked, whatever the case is. I think that could really, really change the game. I think that could really be impactful for the e-commerce business, for Nigerian business, but just even tech in general um, in Africa. I think it would really, really make a, make a huge difference. Yeah. 
Mm, thank you very much, Ken. Um, Douglas, you mentioned a very important area, the area of fraud. Um, trust is has been a major issue for a lot of businesses on the continent. This has affected a lot of things. Adebayo, do you think the local regulators need to step into this creator economy space or should they, should they just stay the hell out of it? And um, how do you think the regulators, the government should approach taxation of this economy? Well, I'm an evangelist for this philosophy. You can tax what you have kind of like been involved in financially. But I don't think if you have not been participating financially in something, you have any moral justification to be able to kind of like participate in it, especially from a taxation point of view. So what are you taxing me for? Just from being in your geographical area or, you know, especially in an economy where I had to eke out or earn everything that probably eventually starts to put money in my pocket. Because when you look at the creator's economy, that's one of the things that we tried to do very early even before we started the crowd business was to start to teach people in the creative space how to really be enterprises and not just represent themselves as talents. And the government can participate, but I think the government needs to understand it better you know, understand what the supply, the value chain in those spaces better so that in them coming in with some form of uh, taxation structure, it is not to come and um, oppress and come and make things harder for that particular. Because when you look at people in the creator space, it's, it's, like, it's like a kind of escape really from real life. What is real life? Real life, I need to enter into the car in the morning, wake up very awkward times, get into the road deal with traffic, get to the office, I'm exhausted, but I still have to do the work anyway. And I still need to enter into that traffic and go through that process again to get back home. So it's very frustrating. So the creator just leverages internet, puts on his uh, smartphone, buys data there, does whatever he needs to do, and eventually he gets people interested and sees how he can monetize it. Though I know the monetization for now has been most of the time B2B monetization for them. But those are the reasons why we created companies like Crowd so that we have a B2C approach. Your business partner exactly is not that person that is trying to push a brand and trying to leverage your viewership for that brand. If there's a way where you could work out a process where you give them unique experiences, you give them unique status in order for them to you know, put some money in your pocket to enjoy what you give to them, then that is business. That should be the primary business. Then the secondary business will now be that whole situation with the brand. So I think the government, as you said, should tread carefully because it's a space that a lot of young people play in. It's a young people space, basically. And yeah, and I feel also that the government can participate. For example, from our own side now, we are starting to take responsibilities that the government can take. We're already in discussion with um, two financial houses now to launch a fund called um, the Creative Enterprise Partnership Fund where people can come and pull funds from that particular, you know, apply for the fund, get some form of funds, create the content, monetize it on crowd exclusively, and then, you know, pay back whatever they, re they received as a loan, and then rinse and repeat the process continually, and they can become very financially stable. Um, government should come in, approach of funding and all that should come in. But as I said, there's a need to understand that space well, because most of the assets in that space is intangible. They are all IPs. And, you know, we run an old economy in Nigeria where everything is still about gold, it's still about banks, it's still about oil, it's still about land, ownership of land, which is all tangible assets, right? But everything about the creator's economy is new economy. 
So we're talking about digital assets. You're already talking about cryptocurrencies and blockchains and all that. These are things that the people sitting in the Senate don't even understand one bit of those things. So there's a learning curve from the government. The government can do a lot of facilitating and making that economy stronger. But there's a need you know, to go through that learning curve, be patient about it. And then by the time you land it, you can land it properly so that when you are putting up the taxation structures, it's to support the industry to grow and not to hamper it from not growing. Now, in your final yeah. thoughts, yeah. What potentials does yeah. the creator economy hold? What's the future of it in Africa and how big do you think it will get? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Okay, the creator's economy can really become the answer to Africa's situation around unemployment. It has the largest potential to mop up people from the streets and bring them into a more commercially viable activities, basically. Because when you look at the creator's economy, there are a lot of things attached to it. For example, the crowd platform that we own operates as an edutech platform, operates as a media tech platform, operates also as an advertising tech platform, like a hybrid of those um, services. So imagine if you have somebody that can teach culture or teach Yoruba or teach English, and that person is able to curate it in a way where they put it on a platform and can earn some kind of revenue from it that covers the cost of that production and then leaves a good margin for them. Imagine entertainment. Imagine It's, it's such a huge space that if it is well-treated, and we are talking about how it can be related to tourism, because look at what our music guys are doing, people in our music space. Those guys have single-handedly sold this country to the international community where we know that they bring in their hard-earned dollars at different times of the year to spend it into Nigeria, to spend it into West Africa, just out of the impressions that the music videos make for them. So you can imagine how that can do with tourism. You can imagine how that can do with... Imagine on TikTok, people were eating fufu and negusi, you know, just playing around with Nigerian culinary just because of... So it's, it's, it's a lot. Government can benefit from it a lot. It can sell government. So it's a huge economy that stands a very huge potential to be able to mop up a lot of people from unemployment. And I think it should be treated as carefully as that. And look at you now. You're already mentioning uh, blockchain technology around it. We are already thinking on our own side here how we are taking some influencers, you know, into the metaverse and all those. So there's so much... There's so much that can be benefited from that. Hopefully, the people understand, the government understand, and they can treat it as carefully as it's supposed to be. Yeah, thank you. Now, Douglas Kenderson, your final thoughts in this form. First, should the government stay the hell out of it? I mean, local regulators concerning taxation and all whatnot. And then what potentials do you see in this creator economy? So the thing about the government staying in or out of it is very tricky because I feel like whenever the Nigerian government gets into anything, it's always ridiculous. However, I mean, I mean, if you're asking if the government should get any in terms of taxes, I don't know why individuals should be taxed more than the typical individual task, like tax or corporate tax. Like, I, I think that should be like it. I don't know what more. If they're getting in, they should get in, in like empowerment or making things available to more people. I don't know what else they should be doing. I think it was just, um, and I mean, if I'm trying to just be very careful or like give examples, I think it was one time they said they were trying to make a social media tax in like Lagos or something like that, content creator, which just is ridiculous because if you already tax a lot of people on an individual level, then what more do you need? And don't forget, like, and I really just like what Bayo was talking about when it's like, 
you feel great attacks that you better be helping my life. So yeah, they should do their job in making things available to us and hopefully the power grid should not be failing every day and make our lives easier and take your, take your typical tax. I don't think there's anything more than that. In terms of how far the creator economy is going to go, I think one example I always just tell people is and when they ask me the creator economy in terms of like digital products, I said I really see the creator economy being as big as YouTube has been. And I know that's like a very small comparison in that way because YouTube is just one company. But what I mean by that is anybody can wake up and be a YouTuber today all they have to do is have a camera and upload a video and people are making youtube from their phone but making youtube from professional cameras people are doing a lot of things and that's really how i see this industry getting big in terms of like and just like bio said in terms of elevating people out of like joblessness and creating jobs in so many ways i think one of the reasons why i love the creator economy and the kind of people that we serve today is as time goes by they go from creating a job for themselves and creating income for themselves to creating actual businesses that pay people. I mean, most of our top creators today pay have at least one, two, three, four staff where they pay. And it doesn't, and it doesn't even have to be full-time staff, contract staff. And that's really the impact of how big this industry can get. I think I'm definitely curious to see how much we drive this market over the next five to 10 years to see like, oh, how big can, can these people get? Um, yeah, um, that's it for me. Thank you very, very much. Um, Douglas and Bio have found a way to, you know, offer subtle subs to certain people and certain classes of people. But it's all good. It's all fine. Thank you very much for the education. Thank you very much for the insights you've shared here. I've been speaking to the CEO and founder of Seller, Douglas Kenderson. Thank you very much, Douglas, for sharing your thoughts here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really love the conversation. It's really nice speaking to you, Bio, too. Really great insights. Yeah, and I've also been speaking to the CEO of Crowd Africa yeah. Technology Limited, Adibaya Kayode. Adibaya Kayode, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and um, for also educating everyone on what the creator yeah. economy is all about. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate your platform. And um, yeah, the conversation, just like Douglas said, was quite interesting. And um, I'm looking forward to probably you know, even sharing thoughts with Douglas after this. Just kind of understand what our businesses are and how we can leverage each other to probably, you know, cater for more people within the uh, African space. Thank you for having me. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.